So just learn from, from your mistakes. That's the coaching. Now, I, I, let me change this one a bit. I, I have four kids. I've coached them all in hockey and other sports. Um, and my daughter's the university hockey player. And, and she knows that I, I, I still say to her every now and then, let them fail. And as the coach, sometimes I need the defense to fail. I don't need the forward to come back and cover for the defense because I really need to teach the defense something right now. And if you cover for them, I don't have a coaching moment. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I've got a fantastic guest for you today on the Leadership Tomorrow podcast. Dan Demeray was uh, worked for us for with us for a couple of years um, back in the late '80s, early '90s. Went to the University of Western Ontario and Ivy. Went and worked for P and G and and uh, for a software business. And then about 10, 11 years ago, he started his own business with thirty-five employees right across North America. And we talk about all that he's learned in developing the amazingly successful business that he has. He's an incredible coach and uh, talks about, you know, how he makes it work around family, uh, how he fits, you know, just his life in and around uh, this business and working with, I, I think we said six of six of the 10 largest um, global packaging, consumer packaging companies in the world are his clients. So pretty, pretty neat, pretty cool. Please tune in. And I know you're going to love the podcast. And I know you're going to love as well what he believes a leader of tomorrow is. So tune into the entire podcast. And uh, if you know any leaders, you've got to know that that's what we're looking for is amazing young leaders who want to have big futures, who want to help help deal with a bunch of the things that are going on in the world and make a difference and making the world a better place. Simple as that. So you can reach out to me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You can have them go apply at studentworks.com slash apply. And you can send them to our show, Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Have a fantastic day. Thanks so much. So Dan, Thank you very much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Uh, really, really uh, appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, and it's really great to, to, to connect with you. Uh, thanks for joining us at our alumni event. It was really, really great. I know we've got people spread out from all over the place, and I know people are traveling, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really awesome to reconnect with people. So, you know, tell me what you were like before our program, Dan. So I was introduced to the program shortly after frosh week. So I was 18, almost 19. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those are the days when we did five years of high school. I worked probably four of those years. Um, I had a a job at a banquet hall North of Toronto. So in the winter I was busboy at the weddings in the summer I was lifeguard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did a lot of hours. I learned how to work hard. I learned how to, uh, I guess, impress the boss, but I was working for somebody else. And there was actually somebody there. One of the managers there was, in a real estate. He's like, ah, oh, Dan, you don't need to go to university. Just come sell houses with me. You know, right. Make your millions doing that. I'm like, nah, you're not going to go to university. Right. Um, and you know, you got through frost week and sort of get settled or not settled. And, you know, and, um, a roommate who was a high school buddy said, Hey, this is what you're going to do next summer. I'm like, okay, tell me about it. It's like, well, <laughs> you're going to come meet Chris. <laughs> and uh, and there it is, right? <laughs> sort of by Thanksgiving, I was already reading the brochures and and thinking about what it would mean to run a business, run my own business. Didn't really mm-hmm. know where it was in that spectrum, right? Um, you know, I, at that point, I, I didn't understand how much of a support network was available. Um, so it was a little scary at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, um, it, how much money am I going to make? Well, I have no idea is the answer. Right. How hard how hard do you want to work? And you know, I like to work hard. I'll work all the hours. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainty at that. So I, you know, I'd had a job where you, you know, you work 60 hours, you make some good money. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, most folks that uh, that you're talking to, they're the the leaders of tomorrow and and are looking to run their own business and 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 be an entrepreneur. Um, it's it's a scary moment when you stop getting a paycheck. Yeah, and uh, I'd, I'd been on a paycheck all through high school. I'd, I'd worked my way up and I'd put money away to pay for school. Mm-hmm. So it was um, it was interesting conversations, and uh, you know you you got me as part of the system because John and I were were in the same residence together and. Yeah. He beat me up, right? He wouldn't let me go until I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Fine. It's a good idea. John, John. John McDonald is another passionate, uh, uh, former, former operator and alumni. And we will definitely be getting him on the podcast, uh, when we can find him, uh, cause he's traveling on all over the world doing all sorts of cool things. So what about biggest frustration as a teenager before you joined the, the, the program, you know, working in the time and effort economy, how did you feel? Yeah, that was, you know, there was, if I go back to that job, there was lots of people there, right? There was, you mm-hmm. know, we were running a banquet hall with six weddings at times, right? So there was mm-hmm. a lot of people and and getting any kind of recognition for the work that you did. You know, at that point, you might have flipped somebody's ashtray and given them a clean ashtray. And, you know, you, you got more recognition for that than the 18 the hour shift you put in that day and, and how clean you kept the kitchen. Yeah. It was a lot of work that, you know, you clean and there's 400 guests and it's dirty again. Right? Yeah. It, it, the job's never done. Yeah. And, um, and, and that was, that was tough was to get any recognition. Um, yeah, my parents were busy. You know, there was younger brother and sister, older brother, big family, you know, parents give you love, but there's a lot of kids to spread it around with. <laughs> and, um, you know, my parents sort of gave me the guidance that you're, you know, you're going to go to university and that's fine. I, right. I accepted that, but they didn't push me anywhere. Um, right. they really let me kind of make my own decisions. And, and that was, uh, you know, good and bad. Um, mm-hmm. I have three at university and, and one more going to university. And really, I just pushed them to investigate, right? Yes. Go, go. Yes. I'm not going to tell you where to go or what to do. Yeah. You need to, uh, you need to think about those things yourself. Yeah. You know, and own those decisions. decisions. Yeah, yeah. It was tough as a teenager to grown up in a time when, when school was, I don't know if it was more or less expensive than it was now. I didn't have the money to pay for it. So mm-hmm. I worked the hours and I put it in. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's way more expensive now. And, uh, and even though minimum wage was way lower and we didn't make as much um, it's the, the cost as a percentage is way higher. So yeah. the debt that students are taking on um, if they can't get an opportunity like this, or they don't have supportive parents is, is much more challenging than, than, than we faced. So what do you still rely on from the program, Dan? Well, there's, um, you know, the, the first sales technique that we were taught at that point, I guess, was the derivative of Xerox, right? It was need satisfaction right. once. Yes. You can walk the homeowner around the house. We did exterior more in my day 30 years ago. You walk around the house and things are peeling and you talk to them mm-hmm. about rot and water damage and you, you work on that need and hey, satisfaction. I just happen to be, you know, a painter. We, we, yes. we know how to solve this problem. And, right. and then you work on the wants and then they're trying to buy from you. And that was the same with Xerox. You, hey, you need a copy. I happen to have a copy. Right. So, so that was something that, that we rely on in, in our company now and what I rely on. But it's really how do you have the satisfaction that the customers need to come to you? And, and when you offer a great product and you have a great reputation, the clients will come to you. And, and that right. was really that need satisfaction want. So I rely on that uh, extensively. The other was really the coaching, right? I, you know, when John said, you're going to run your own business, I, you know, that was scary. But as soon as I realized that coaching was there, uh, I really became a coach. Um, mm-hmm. And then the four kids were all in sports and I went to the hockey rink and they needed a coach. And, you know, last night I was on the bench still um, after 16 or 17 years of the kids being in different sports. And, and right. our, our company, Cantactics, runs as a coaching philosophy. Everybody is a coach. And that is massive, is giving people the, the room and the time to be successful, giving them the time to fail, yeah. uh, and then having that moment to coach. Yeah. And, you know, the district managers would let us do that. We can go out and do an estimate and, you know, maybe didn't go so well. We debriefed. Yeah. Um, I think you also have, had a good sales process, right? I, you know, you do the first estimates with your, your DM and, and you're, you're walking the, you know, even before you go in to meet the client, it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is the mm-hmm. sales process. We're going to introduce ourselves. We're going to try to walk around the house. We're going to get our numbers. We're going to let them go back inside. We're going to go sit in the car. Okay, now we're ready to present. What's the order of operations for the presentation? 
it's and then the debrief afterwards, right? You do yes. all those things. And you know, your DM can only do what, four or six of them at the beginning with you because they're yeah. helping many people. You have to learn it yourself. And yeah. and that sales process today, it's interesting as we have different salespeople in our company who understands that and and who still there's some coaching moments there to to help them. But once they understand that, it's you know, you don't get many opportunities to sell, to, to really sell. So when yeah. you have it, make sure you have a plan and make sure you debrief afterwards. Don't just jump in the car and take off. Yeah. Um, and that's really what the, what I learned from, from the DMS and then from you for, with the rest of management. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It, it, um, you know, you pointing that out, uh, you know, to our young leaders is, is the whole, you know, make a plan and then debrief, you know, and that's what successful people do in life. Like, what, what's my day going to look? How did I do it? You know, and the other thing just to point out as well, um, there's a huge renaissance or not even a renaissance. There's a, there's a huge going on thing going on over the last number of years about coaching. There was a weekly coaching habits written by Brian Souza, and coaching is a big thing. Well, coaching has been a big thing for 30 years with us. And it's really yeah. great. Like, like, you know, for people like yourself and others, they, they put coaching in their businesses, right? Once they got started, because they saw the value of coaching. They saw, again, coaching versus management, coaching versus, you know, micromanagement, you know, so much better, right? It just makes all the difference. Um, one thing that I'm that I'm shocked by, Dan, is is that is that somehow you only spent a year with us. There's just no way now you would have only spent. A no, year I did. With us. I don't. Know I did. That. It was two years. It was. Uh, you know, I'm, I am dating myself now. Uh, it's 89, 89 and ninety. Okay, perfect. Because it says I looking at your. I was looking at your um your your LinkedIn, and it says a year. And I'm going, gosh, that's there's no way that there's no way Dan only spent a year. Don't worry, don't worry. It's all good, buddy. Quick, I'll update my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Um, they know it was the summers of 89 and 90, uh, and 99 90, was yeah. east, the east half of Scarborough, massive area. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, Thornhill. Yeah. And it's, yeah, no, no, that's okay. Like I said, that's, I was going, gosh. And then, and then you got into Ivy, right. And then, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, you went sort of corporate for a while. So why don't you describe to our leaders, um, you know, that experience and, 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 and what happened in doing that? Sure. And it's a bit of a juxtaposition versus what I said of, you know, the, um, the certainty of income versus not, right. right? Mm -hmm. I went from two years uh, in this great program and learning what I could there to complete corporate world. Mm -hmm. And um, Ivy 30 years ago uh, was not well geared to entrepreneurs. It mm -hmm. was, yes, this is Dan's opinion, opinion of one. Um, right. It was, Influenced by the corporate sponsors, the, the people that paid for the executive MBAs, and those companies got the first pick of interviewees, right? The, mm. Their job postings went up first. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to say that I fell into the trap of that, but you know, I was caught in the moment and, and I went for those interviews and I made the decision to go work for one of those companies. It was Procter and Gamble. It's on my LinkedIn yeah. profile. It's nothing, nothing secret. I I didn't do the marketing or finance jobs that everybody else wanted. I went to the sales interview that nobody else wanted to go to, and I had a sales right. position at Procter & Gamble. So I went from learning about need satisfaction wants to their five-step process that I, I do today and interweave it, which is, you know, it's amazing I can still do this. You know, summary of the situation, state your idea, you know, show your benefits, summarize your benefits, suggest an easy next step. You put those five together with need satisfaction wants, and, and yeah. you create a system of, of, you know, you plan your sales call, you do your sales call, uh, you debrief. Um, yeah. so that corporate world, you know, that was different. You get a company car, you get this red credit card that buys yeah. all your gas and your tires, right? You, yeah. you kind of get caught up in that, that corporate world. The good news about the corporate world, you've got benefits, you've got, you know, you know what your salary is going to be. Maybe there's some bonus. There's a yeah. whole lot of training. Yeah. Great managers. You know, one, one that I learned from my first manager, Dominic, was, you know, Dan, you're out in the field all the time. I'm walking around the office and somebody says, hey, what's Dan doing at this thing? And, and he doesn't have the answer. So I learned to over-communicate with my manager and make sure that they were never surprised by their boss. And if right. I could do that, my manager would help me in other ways that they couldn't help other people. So I really awesome. try to do that as a coaching moment with my team is... Right. Over-communicate with Dan, yeah. CC me on more emails, 
make sure I know what's going on. Now we've moved on to, to more uh, interactive reports, Power BI. We have a lot of automated reporting where if people are doing their work, I can find out about it very easily. Yes. But that coaching moment for me in, in that career progress was through Procter & Gamble. So that lasted four or five years, and I was using some software at that time. It was to create what is called a planogram. A planogram is a depiction of the shelf at a retail store. So how much space is allocated to Crest versus Colgate? Yeah, that, that drawing is used by drugstores to set each store and each of the stores can be different. So I learned that I love that software and the data and the analysis that was behind that. So little break from Procter & Gamble to a broker and then suddenly I was selling that software back to Procter & Gamble. I was there 12 years. I ended up as the, the global vice president in, in charge of that software. Company's called JDA Software. And then after being on the plane almost every week for 10 years and having four kids, I decided to stay home. Mm -hmm. And that's where I made the decision. It was the fall of 2008, bad economic times. I made the decision that I was going to stay home. And with an arrangement with JDA, I became a partner of JDA and, and tried to help them grow their business in Canada. Uh, and then you know, that went well. And, and now we work across Canada and the United States. Um, grown to, I think we're 35 people as of this week. Wow. So it was sort of 12, thanks. It was sort of 12 years working for JDA and now 11 or so running Can Tactics. And uh, so for our, for our uh, leaders, I always love, like, there's so many businesses and I continue to discover them that work for, you know, in the business to business space that no one knows about them <laughs> and they're incredibly successful. So Dan runs a business and it's, you know, I'm not sure if I can say yeah. big. Um, <laughs> um, 35 employees. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and volume and, and, and profitable and you've never heard of it. So if you yeah. could share with, with, with our leaders, like, what is it, what does it actually do? What is, why do co companies need it? What value does it give it, give them so that they keep buying it, uh, et cetera. All right. So the, the business use case is if you go back to the toothpaste section, right? Crest and mm -hmm. Colgate. Some stores have more crests, some have more Colgate, some have whitening, or you get to an area that the older population, you're going to sell more Sensodyne. Right. They've got, you know, their, their teeth need the Sensodyne. So yeah. the, the biodemographics of every store can be different. So you can create a different drawing for every store. Once you've got a different drawing for every store, you have different capacity. You have different sales volumes. You need a warehouse set up to service each of those stores differently. You need mm -hmm. to buy the inventory in advance. Or if you're going to do spring and summer, you know, Canadian Tire across the country is very big with switching out their spring and summer. They need to bulk up their warehouses and sell down their warehouses in advance. So as much as we say our business is about that pretty picture or that planogram, it's really how does that integrate with the entire supply chain to make sure that when you want to go get your Sensodyne mint, it's on the shelf in right. whatever store you're likely to go to. So that's what the business model is. So our company started out as consultants. We quickly realized that you do things many times, you might as well put a process around it. And then you, you start creating custom software. From there, we started getting into cloud hosting. We're big customers of Microsoft Azure, happy to promote that as something yeah. that we do with, with our cloud business. Um, you know, you, you do consulting, you do training. Um, yes. We do video training. Um, and, and while, you, while you talk about Can Tactics being a business that nobody's heard of, there is no office. And that right. starts to freak people out. So we are a virtual company of 35 people, call it one third in Canada where we started and two thirds in the United States. We have an employee that started this week. I've never met the gentleman. Um, you know, so a few people met him in, in the town where he lives. But um, yeah, we've got, so I'll see him at our annual meeting in June. Right. Um, Everybody works from home. I'm in my home office right now. Chris says, oh, we're going to use this web system to do this uh, podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, I use that every day. And that's, that's what we do. Um, I've got my headset on. I've got two headsets. So when the one stops, I just pick up the other one and away it goes. And I'm, I'm fully charged for the day. Hey, leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. 
Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So we're a virtual company and our clients are both Procter & Gamble, where I used to work, and the big retailers. So the big retailers need that integrated system. They have to know where every product's going to be at every time and optimize that. And that's millions of dollars if they optimize it. And then if you're a company like Procter & Gamble, you want to make sure that Crest is in the right spot. Yes. And it's, uh, you know, it's hip die and it's more fat than Colgate. Yeah, more space than Colgate. Absolutely. Forget about Sensodyne. Give more exactly. space to Crest. Um, and Procter & Gamble wants to do those drawings. They want to be part of it. They're closer to the buyer. They're closer to the, the, the merchandising. They think that gives them their value is um, shorter speed to market. They, they can get new products in fast. Um, I did a, a, a project last year that was really neat. Uh, apparently now you can buy uh, an air filter for your furnace that has Bluetooth connectivity that is going to tell your smartphone and your smart home that it's time to change your filter furnace, your furnace filter. Yeah. Right? Who knew that you could afford to put those into a $15 or $25 filter? But yeah. the retailer said, we weren't going to redo the shelf. You've got these great products. If you can give me thousands of drawings, we can put the stuff in the store in a couple of weeks. Wow. So the speed to market was there that we were able to help them do those drawings and get them working with the retailer and get their distribution sooner. So in their mind, more profit for everybody. Wow. And, and, and again, obviously there's been a big transformation about how the drawings used to happen because they were literally drawings and now how they're doing by software, et cetera, et cetera. And, and staying ahead of the curve in terms of technology. Oh, yeah. They used to be magnets. You'd, yeah. you'd have a, you know, Coca-Cola would have scale magnets on a, Magnet board you used to go into a store with magnets. Yeah. Right. We, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> so, so, you know, 2008, um, for our leaders, uh, huge financial crisis, literally the economy wasn't moving. A lot of businesses went out of business then, you know, if you read about Tesla and Elon Musk, the, 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 the economic markets were frozen. So Dan, 2008, you decide to start your own business. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> wow. I know. So, but if you go back to go back to the corporate world, so this was where it was good to have worked for Procter and Gamble and, and a big company like JDA. They don't have any budgets to hire, right? Headcounts frozen, coming down. Work still has to get done. So, how are they going to get the work done? They're going to hire contractors. Okay. There we were, and. Um, I know I started the company in January. By the end of January, I had our first client who after 11 years is still a client um, right. because I'd known them in my time at the, the prior company, the software company. Right. Um, they needed the software and they couldn't hire anybody because of headcount. They could hire contractors. So I think it was the perfect storm of where we started in 2009 and companies couldn't hire people. Right. Okay. So, so, so it's, so, so to a certain extent as well, it, it was like, by the sounds of it as well. And, and again, in previous conversations, it's like, you saw this opportunity and it was about when, would that be fair to say? Like about when you could get this started, when you could separate or no? It was, well, it was, um, it wasn't all my doing, right? JDA was making changes that fall. Um, I found out on October 15th that my job was going to be gone at the end of the year. There were six of us okay. in charge of six product lines. And they said, hey, everybody go and find a job. If you want to go back to product management, go do that. You know, go back to sales. We want everybody to just, we're telling the six of you first, go find another job within the company. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, can I go? Right. <laughs> um, so I met with the CEO and said, you know, you'd have me flying around the world for a decade and, and we've ignored Canada. I, I want to get the Canadian market back for you. Um, and another thing that I learned from other people, I made him say yes three times in the meeting. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, and the next step was, you know, he was taking notes. And before I left the building, I was still an employee and he was signing me up to be a partner. And right. you know, his first name's Hamish. I, I, you know, I thank him for that at that time. Um, it put me in a great place. 
So I, I had the network of clients. I had the network yeah. of prospects. I knew the software. So I was in a pretty good place. Right. Um, I was familiar, but I was completely on the other side, right? From going from sure. the software company to doing the implementation. I could have gotten and gotten a job at a retailer, uh, corporate office, putting in the software. I didn't want to do that. I, I knew I was ready to go back to being an entrepreneur. I was, you know, I had a flyer route as a kid and I used to subcontract it, right? Sears catalog used to pay nine cents or something for the, like, what were they? 600 page Sears catalogs we used to yes. get the house. They were, I got paid nine cents. I'd subcontract the neighborhood kids for four cents a house. You know, I was awesome. 12 years old and I was <laughs> subbing my, my flyer around. Um, I knew I wanted to do that. And, yeah. and with my time with student works for two years, uh, it, I just knew it was time. I knew I could do it. People like, wow, you know, you started out pretty well. How'd you know how to run your own business? I'm like, oh, I had some coaches along the way. Right. You know, yeah. and, and it was the, the student works, right? I, I, I was 18 when I saw it. I was 19 when I started. Um, I, it was great that John McDonald and I had gone to high school together. We were doing it together for a couple of summers. We were nearby each other physically. Yeah. If we happened to get enough time to go out and have a beverage in the evening, we were probably going out and doing it together. Right. Um, both of the camaraderie of, of the, the managers that were involved, but because we were high school friends, we played rugby and, and we knew each other. So we had that bonding. So I wasn't doing it alone. Yeah. And I guess yeah. that's a, a good message for anybody that's considering student works is you're not going to be alone, but, but you're going to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not alone. But it's you're both, not alone. Right. And that's things. the coaching. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. And, and one of the other things is I want people to hear what Dan with his previous company is, is he spoke to their need. They had not been in Canada. There was a big opportunity for them in Canada. So Dan was willing to go and sell more product for them in Canada. And so, so this has been a good thing for JD, uh, JDA, and a good thing for Dan. And that's when things work in the, in the business world. So like, you know, uh, our, our customers, good thing. We paint and window clean their homes. Thank you very much. That's great. We don't want to do that. And now we've got it done. And it's a good thing our operators and workers make money. Um, so what about biggest failures or mistakes and, and how did you learn from those? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Right. And I've listened to a whole bunch of the podcasts, a lot of the early ones, a lot of the latter ones. Um, there's, you know, the, there's stuff I probably can't share. Um, right. We're 11 years in. I had a partner for eight years. Mm -hmm. um, and sort of at that seven, eight year time, we sort of had different opinion of, of the future of the business. So I, I don't know if that's a failure or a mistake, but, it, but as you grow a company, especially a virtual company, you have to learn to trust others. And there are times when you fail at that. Mm -hmm. Um, you thought the coaching was there. Um, maybe you didn't have the web camera on to get the, you know, the look them in the eye when you're coaching them remotely. Um, right. Especially people that you haven't physically met. Like we hire people we have never met. Uh, wow. and that's really weird. Um, and the video interview, you know, we, we actually don't even do video interviews. We, we trust, um, because they're going to be on the phone all day. Right. So, um, it, it's having over trusted, um, and not having had a check and balance. So that's really the, the failure that I should have known. Uh, a parent was a high school history teacher. I, I was taught about the American and Canadian uh, political systems and all the checks and balances of the multiple levels of the house. And yeah. uh, I should have known that um, I needed the check. Mm -hmm. a, a good university friend uh, had a Russian saying that he would change to uh, trust but verify. Trust, but verify that. Right. You know, okay. I trust you, but you know, somewhere I'm going to make sure that that actually happened. Yes. And I got burned a lot of the, uh, along the way a lot that I put too much trust in some things. Yes. And, um, you know, when it comes to money, that's, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, a lot of the, the, the failures have been, um, you know, a couple of customers that we just didn't scope the work properly we could never have delivered it and made them happy right and i can count them on one hand and right. and i'm not happy you know 11 years i can count the failure failed customers on one hand and it makes me mad mm -hmm. right i i we should have known better um right. so I, I guess what we've learned in those is is to debrief i had an hour call with a team of five or six of us yesterday uh, we thought we were going to do those drawings in 20 minutes and it took about an hour. Right. 
times hundreds. Yes. Right. That's that, a problem. You know, we're taking a bath on that one. Yes. Um, but you learn and you debrief. What are we going to do later? How are we going to phrase this to the customer? You know, if they want it done again, the price is going to double. Yeah. Um, but the value, right? Value, sell on value, not on price. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned that one somewhere too. Yes. Um, you know, I, I lowballed a lot of jobs along the way and they hurt. But when you've got profitable jobs as well, you balance. So just learn from, from your mistakes. That's the coaching. You know, I, yeah. I, let me change this one a bit. I, I have four kids. I've coached them all in hockey and other sports. Um, and my daughter's the university hockey player. And, and she knows that I, I, I still say to her every now and then, let them fail. And as the coach, sometimes I need the defense to fail. I don't need the forward to come back and cover for the defense because I really need to teach the defense something right now. And if you cover for them, I don't have a coaching moment. Right. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to try to find those moments in business where you can let somebody fail just far enough that they realize they can use the coaching. Yeah. Yeah. So um, don't let it be too expensive when you fail. For uh, sure. But, but try to find those moments. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and part of it is, 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 is they just keep showing up for me um, <laughs> and in our business uh, and we have high standards. So it's just like, okay, you know, let's look, let's look, let's look, what are we going to do here? And, and again, um, you know, we can fail or, or, you know, we can, we can make money or we can learn, you know, and just, just yeah. take both of those things as great things. Okay, great. We won. Great. We didn't. Now, what are we going to do? What can we take? What processes can we improve? You know, and, and like you said, the debrief, it's just so important, you know, and these are habits that literally, you know, last a lifetime and are what successful organizations do, right? Absolutely. So, you know, one thing, um, Dan, how do you, how do you keep learning? Because I can tell you're really, you know, just on it and in the game. How do you, how do you keep learning? What have you done? Yeah, we're, we're a learning organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're online, you know, I'll, I'll have Skype or now Teams open all day and, and I encourage people to learn all the time. So I try to learn from, from our team. Um, mm. You know, I'm not technical, um, right. but I can write SQL or I can write hack SQL and then I send it to our team and it comes back an hour later and I look like a good coder. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, I read their code when it comes back. I'm like, oh, that's how that code's supposed to work. Right. right. So if you surround yourself with bright people and, and, recognize you're not the smartest person um, when it comes to most things. You know, everybody's got their forte, but hire great people around you and try to learn from them. Um, you know, I'm at my desk a lot, so I try to read. Um, I try to break up my day with little bits of reading and, and research and newsletters to just try to figure out what's in the industry. Right. Then I try to set myself up with projects. Um, U.S. Thanksgiving's great. It's Thursday, Friday. I get no emails, no calls from customers. I like to save myself a project. Right. That um, normally the CEO wouldn't be doing those things, but I like to push the envelope and and try to learn some new skill. Right. Um, you know, the Americans come back on Monday. It's like, okay, what did Dan learn? It's like, <laughs> oh, I got this new thing. You got to try this. Um, right. And they see the boss doing that, and you know, I'm that's leadership. Right. I, mm-hmm. I want them to grow in, in online automating reporting. Microsoft Power BI seems to be our thing. Um, I do. I, I some of these things I do first and, right. you know, Google or Bing or your friends and and YouTube. My my kids have taught me to how to use YouTube well and um, and learn what you can. You know, um, TED Talks, you know, eight to ten minutes at a time. Yeah, something pick something that has nothing to do with your business, right? And um, and diversify your mind a bit, mm-hmm. and 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 it's when you're doing those other things that your subconscious mind figures out yes. the problem you needed to solve for work. But you have to have those other times. Yeah, it's it's actually so true. It's it's um you know sometimes there's this need. Uh, you know our our leaders want to win. They they want to really make a difference. They 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 really want to have huge futures. So that sometimes they get over specialized. When in fact it's like learning about other things. All of a sudden you 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 understand your situation better. You know by mapping other situations. Like you were you were talking about. Um, you know, um, you know, the political system, I need checks and balances, right? So it's like, Hey, I can look here. I need that in my business, right? The same, you know, values, processes, systems. 
So we see it in other, in other, in other areas, and it's a real opportunity for us. Absolutely. You know, that continued learning. So, you know, as, as, you, as you went from a teenager, university student to a business owner, value creator, what did you have to change about yourself, Dan? Well, uh, a lot of it's responsibility, right? As, as you go to a business owner and, and you find your, sign your first employee contract, um, that employee is trusting that you're going to pay them. Right. So when only one of you gets paid, they get paid first. And when you have 35 employees, and I'm going to say, you know, just in general, probably 20 of those or more um, were the, the breadwinner in those families. Right. Um, I realized that 20 families are relying on us to pay the mortgage or pay the rent. Right. Um, so I get paid last. Mm. Right. Uh, you know, running a painting, painting business, you know, I was taking money. I was able right. to go away on weekends and, and, oh, look, there's still money left to pay for school at the end. I guess I did okay. Right. Um, so, so that change was, was important. Um, really caring about the people. Yeah. Right. What does it mean to have a health care plan? I never thought about that before. I just had a health plan in the past. Right. And with 20 something U.S. employees. Uh, yes. Yeah. We have a lot of fun with health care insurance in the U.S. And, sure. and, and what that means. So, um, you know, it, you, you have to change. And I don't know if it was so much of a change of um, sort of a refocus on coaching and always teaching. And in the past, I was, I guess if I was teaching, it's because I was selling and I was showing the prospect how to use the JDA software. But then I had to go from teaching and selling the business value to, to taking the knowledge I had and trying to have 10 people have that knowledge. So it wasn't Dan doing it all the time. Right. Right. It, 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 I don't like it being the Dan show. It's, it's a company and it's not called Dan Inc. Yes. We, um, we need, you need to change a bit and realize that you're not just yourself and you really have to think about other people. It also gave me a chance to give back a little bit more. And, and, and we have a giving program in our, in our company that uh, I don't want to, you don't share the details really with, with clients. So I don't want to say too much on the podcast, on on, on the podcast because it's public, it's public, but you know, every (laughs) employee is encouraged and has a budget to go and uh, do something right in their community. Awesome. And, um, that, you know, that was something that my parents taught me that you've, you've got to give back either in your time or in your money. Right. And I hadn't really done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been, I don't want to say selfish, but I was raising four kids. Right. I yeah. knew that they were probably all going to university. So uh, when there was money left, it just got put away for school rather than, than shared outside of our family. And we right. really tried to change that. And that then becomes part of the culture where, where you're giving back to your community, it, it's the same thing where you just give back to your peers. And, and that's where we grow and we learn from ourselves. I'm going to divert a little bit here. Right? I, most consulting organizations, and sorry if some of your alumni are in those big consulting organizations, I find they tend to land and expand. The partner shows up and sells the deal and puts a manager on site. And then there's three junior consultants. That's exactly it. Yes. So the new junior consultant can learn from maybe one person and they're on mm-hmm. that job for nine months. Yeah. I, I, I can't do that to people. Um, mm. Our people can, can spin through teams or Skype and see their 30 peers sitting at their desk or 20 peers. Cause some people are on the road, but 20 yeah. people are at their desk this week. And it's not uncommon to get an email that says, I'm going to spend the next hour working on this. Come and join me. And, and then we watch an employee solve a problem for an hour. And, wow. and so we have learning experiences every day and that's the beauty of the, the learning organization. So I don't know that that was a change for me because I always liked doing that, but trying to propagate that through a company was something that I'd never been part of before. Right. And putting learning first, I found consultants sometimes hoard the information, even, even within their own company to make sure that they are more valuable and they can get put on the next job. For sure. To the detriment of their peer. And our company, yes. we encourage and reward that sharing so that yes. the whole ship rises. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's and, the, and and part of it is 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 the 
obviously it takes a leader to, to help set that up, but then also to reward and recognize and notice it. Right. You know, because it's hard to notice because, oh, you see someone get a good result. You want to oh get it, get excited about that. But hold on. No, no, no. Who's sharing the most? Who's coaching the most? Yeah. And and uh, it's it, it is wonderful. You know, I know we're we're blessed by by, you know, first of all, district manager team that so wants to coach. But our veterans are just so amazing in our business who, who just want to coach, want to share, want to share best practices. It's just, it, it's where you're going to learn the most. It's, it's just such a, the, the competitive environment without cooperation is toxic. Oh yeah. Right. So when it's competitive, I want to do really well. And I'm going to show you exactly what I, what I'm doing so you can win with me, Dan. And, but I want to beat you at your best. That's wonderful. Right. Like people like that organization. Yeah. And, and, and the rewards don't have to be big. Right. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to share because you're, because you can see it. I've got this thing on my desk. It's a little pink bell that says ring, ring for, a, for drink. a drink. Right. Right. So there you go. Every time we sign a contract, you know, and sometimes it's a longer ring, but, yeah. but, you know, we get together every Friday for an hour as the team. And when somebody shares something or, you know, they solve a problem, somebody else in the phone will say, so ring the bell, ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you're awesome. We're going to ring the bell for you. Awesome. And that doesn't cost me anything. No, right? no as the business no. owner. So it doesn't have to be a massive reward. No. But we do that in front of 30 of their peers. And it's like, mm. yes, I got a big bell yes. from the boss today. Woo. Yeah. 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 And yeah, acknowledgement, fun, you know, uh, creating community, you know, when you're creating community and it's difficult. Uh, and it's possible over, you know, again, two countries. Yeah, right? six, this, six time zones. Yes, right? yeah. we're yeah, we're uh, we're pretty broad for uh, mm. a tiny little company nobody's ever heard of. Yes, exactly, exactly. So right? and so, and our and our clients. I don't want to say that you know I've said Procter and Gamble. I don't want to say the retailers or or manufacturers, but I I had the the list of the top ten consumer packaged goods companies last week. And the analysis was six are uh, big spenders, two are prospects, uh, and the other two are, you know, we have casual conversations with them. So there's the top 10. Right, and exactly. Sort of, and uh, the retailers they sell to are our clients. Yes. So uh, you would know our client list. A hundred percent, hundred percent, exactly. So, so Dan, if someone wanted to do what you do, what key habits would they have to steal from you? What's the secret to your success? Well, um, one of those, I guess, is sort of what I did this morning. Uh, you said you were out with the dogs. I was at hot yoga this morning. Right. Um, whatever it is, it's finding your time to go and put the mind at ease. Right. So uh, a lot of people run. Uh, I used to run. Mm. Um, runners will tell you that a run isn't a run until you forget you're running. Right. You know, you get eight or 13 minutes into the run. It's like, and eh, then the mind goes and you're doing something. Oh, geez, I'm making good time today. Right. Yeah. You, you forgot you were running. Yeah. Um, and hot yoga for me is um, somebody else tells me what to do for an hour. <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> or play hockey. Right. You're at the rink for yeah. sort of 60 minutes. You know, yeah, maybe some of the line mates are telling me what to do, but, you know, pretty much I'm not thinking about the outside world. So that's a habit that you need to have. You need to have your time that is not your work time. Figure out what it is. Walk the dog, yoga, hockey, find it. Yoga, I really like because literally somebody tells me what to do for an hour. And, yes. and that's different than running a business. Uh, another habit has been delayed gratification, right? Um, employees get paid first. I get paid at the end. Um, you mentioned Elon Musk. I ordered a car. I waited 23 months. <laughs> right? uh, and I was almost age 50. And, and that was really the first time I spent a whole whack of money on something for myself, my first trophy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sitting out in the driveway and I love mm -hmm. it. And the employees, you know, they knew I'd ordered it. Did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? <laughs> and, it, and tell you, it was a model three. I put my thousand dollars down the first week. Right. And yeah. you know, it was going to be a couple of years till they came out. I got it. And that's a big deal. That delayed gratification because I yeah. mentioned four kids. I knew they were going to go to university. I wanted to help, yeah. um, and I, I couldn't buy that car and put it in the driveway and then not have money to go to university. Right. So again, I was at the end. So delayed gratification is probably uh, 
probably the second thing there after the yoga. And then I guess another thing is um, something that my boss told me, you know, probably about my 30th birthday is there's nothing like a client appointment and a date to make stuff happen. He, uh, he didn't use stuff when he said, right. um, yeah, and that, that, that's massive for our company is, you know, did you get a date yet? When are we, when are we going to see them? Right. Um, so, so those are the sort of three habits, right? Finding that, that peaceful time, delayed gratification, and um, making sure you have a date in the calendar so you, you have a reason to get up and something to, to do today. Because yeah. there are times running your own business that you don't want to get up. Mm. Like, I'm going to be honest with your prospects or people in your system or just general entrepreneurs listening to this. We all know there's days that, like, really? Okay, well, you know, there's something in the calendar. Right. So you get up and then once you're going, um, then you're okay again. And, and you're, you remember what you do and you have fun with it. And, and, and it's when you get those unsolicited emails or phone calls from people saying, I just want to tell you about that person that helped on this project. And oh my gosh, and they go on and on and on. Yeah. And, and those moments make it worthwhile. So those are the ones that I save for the, I, I have a folder in my email called accolades. Oh, cool. Things in. So I pull those out during performance reviews that we're doing now in January with folks is, Hey, here's three emails. I don't know if you ever saw them. Sometimes I don't share them with the employees. Sometimes right. I save them for the annual review time. Right. Um, they know they did a good job, but I, they want, the employees also want to know that um, you know that, that the boss knows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> they know they did a good job. Exactly. We delivered on your budget on time. Uh, yeah. Did the boss know? Yeah, the boss yeah. knows. Yeah, eventually, yeah. I find out about all the good and bad in the company. Yeah. No, I love I love that the, the real wisdom there. I know. I know. Uh, we we I, I bought a Peloton bike a little while ago, uh, and and so a lot of times I'll jump on, and again, it's like the 10, 15 minutes in. You know, I'm I'm really not wanting to be here. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, I want to be this. here. I'm yeah. in this. I'm in this. <laughs> the leaderboard yeah. comes up, and I, I'm ready to look at the leaderboard and ready to ready to go climb the leaderboard. You know, it's like, all right, I'm ready. That's awesome. So it's it really is. You know, losing yourself in yeah in something. That's, that's the run or, or yes. the yoga or the hockey. Pick yeah, pick your thing. Walk yeah. walk your dogs and 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 meet people down there and. Get, you know, Frisbee or your ball launcher or whatever it is, it, just go mm -hmm. do something that's yours. And because and, I'm the big fan of that subconscious mind, right? I've got this puzzle. How do we connect these two databases? How do we shorten the supply chain, cut millions of dollars inventory out, uh, load all that in my brain? And I've got 30 years of experience in this, but I don't figure it out till I'm lying on the mat at yoga. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Because the, the subconscious brain needs the time to figure those things out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's, that, that's so true, isn't it? Yeah. So final question, Dan, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Well, um, I'm going to date this, right? We're January, 2020. Okay. And, um, and I think that's pretty important because I talk about checks and balances and the, uh, there's a second stage of an impeachment happening right now. Yeah. No idea where that's going to go. There's a coronavirus that world health organization might suddenly shut down airports. So you better learn to use web meeting software. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then Greta's telling us that the house is on fire and we're not leaving the house. Right. Right. The, the, you know, I, I've, I've got an electric car, I've got solar panels on my roof. Um, right. I tried to teach the kids that um, we've ruined our planet, right? We've, we've let the oil-based economy um, and, and the big corporations run our government and ruin where where we're at and we can't do that anymore um things i've always said to my kids is you know if, if you want to be an entrepreneur and, and save the world figure out where you can get water where there's no water and power where there's no power mm -hmm. right that the social good um, that a company needs to do is really where those entrepreneurs need to be right going to paint houses for a couple of summers isn't going to solve that problem but man you're going to learn what it what it takes to find good people and surround yourself with good people and then have a vision, you know, of, uh, you know, Microsoft's vision I saw very recently is they're going to be um, CO2 neutral within three to five years. And then they want to be net CO2 zero yes. in like 15 years, like right back to the eighties, like every bit of CO2 they've done back to the, to the eighties. They want to be back to zero. Wow. 
They want to capture. Yeah, they want to go yeah. all the recapture it all the way back. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Bill Gates and and the guys there. You, that's leadership. That we yeah. we stand for a social cause. Support the local coffee shop whose uncle in Ecuador grows the beans. Right. That coffee shop's got a story, mm-hmm. and and they're doing it because they know the guy growing the beans. Right. Have a story that that's going to change the world, and you can offer the same service. You'll get the business because. I, I can spend a hundred dollars on something here or there, but if if I can spend it at a local shop that cares, I'm going to spend it at the local shop, which is why I live in a village in Toronto. I like to spend my money with the locals. So I guess that's sort of my thing for the the, the future leaders is is find a cause and and build the business around it, and and you can have that. You know, some people have called it a social enterprise. You don't need to have it as a social enterprise. Just keep it in yeah. mind as you do things, right? We sent all of our employees, uh, you know, logoed water bottles and said, please don't buy any more plastic water bottles, right? Just, yeah. it's a little thing, but, but that's who we are. And we think it's really important. And I got four kids who I want to send out in the world and I want them to, to be these great people. So I've always tried to teach them both in, in life and work that um, if you can find a cause and save our planet at the same time, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Well, it's so great, Dan. Um, and it doesn't surprise me at all that we're so aligned with what's going on in the world. And we need leaders now more than we've ever need leaders. And that was, you know, January, 2020. That's actually, we were just wrapping up our second training. And that's what we were talking about that, that, you know, there's an opportunity like never before never before, you know, that we need leaders just taking on. And, and, and I'm an optimist. So I believe uh, that, that there's all sorts of smart people who are going to, you know, find the problems and uh, leaders who are going to step up and, and be part of the solution moving forward. And, uh, um, and, and, and again, there's, there's Microsoft and, and others who are, who are really working on it. So, so just love that you're pointing to that and, and uh, pointing to, to uh, the, the greater cause that we're part of here, right? Making the world a better place, you know, and solving the big problems of the day. Absolutely. Well, I'm happy to have been part of this. Um, you were a great coach for me and your organization. And I, I hope that our chat helps some people, um, you know, lean towards being part of your organization. And just for any regular entrepreneurs mm-hmm. listening to this, I hope, uh, you know, between Chris and I, we're able to Give you a couple of tips and tricks that you can take and, and make your yeah. entrepreneurship and your business even better. Absolutely. So, Dan, thanks so much for taking time from your busy schedule to join us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thank you. Okay. Have a fantastic day. Bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.